You're listening to SequelCast 2 and Friends, a proud part of the Greenlit Podcast Network. This is a vintage episode of SequelCast 2 and Friends. Audio quality may not be up to current standards. We apologize for the nastier audio artifacts. I don't know how I feel about you, right? Why? Why? Because I had some sex? Some sex? Yes, Holden, that's all it was. Some sex. Most of it's stupid high school sex. Like, you never had sex in high school. Listen, there is a world of fucking difference between typical high school sex and getting fucked by two fucking guys at the same time. They fucking use you. No! I use them! You don't think I would have let it happen if I hadn't wanted to, do you? I was an experimental girl, for Christ's sake. Maybe you the There's always more to tell. Especially when the video sales are doing really well. From shock treatment to Jason X to Police Academy 6. This is Sequel Cast. And they are unsurpassed at following a franchise until the better end. This is Sequel Cast. And your hosts have asked that I inform you that the show will now begin. Hello and welcome to the Sequel Cast. The Sequel Cast is a show that looks at movies at a franchise one film at a time. And we're in the middle of looking at the various films in the Viewisk Universe series. And uh, you can thank uh, our fans for voting on what franchise they wanted us to do next. And uh, they chose the Viewisk Universe. And what I mean by that is films directed by Kevin Smith featuring the characters of Jay and Silent Bob. Chase and Amy? You can, uh, you can thank or blame uh, our listeners, depending on how you feel. <laughs> right. You know, there's no way for me to know who voted for what topic. But I do know the topic was uh, suggested by uh, a friend of yours, Thrasher, Robert Groover. Robert yeah, Groover. So, yep. so but no, in seriousness, it's been fun uh, revisiting these films. Even though I think as a franchise, Viewisk Universe is, is a pretty loose uh, categorization way to describe them. But they, they do take place in kind of the same universe and characters are related and so forth, as we'll find out when you talk about Chasing Amy. This came out in 97, written and directed by Kevin Smith, starring... Uh, Ben Affleck as Holding McNeil, Joey Lauren Adams as Alyssa, Jason Lee as Banky, uh, Jason Hughes and Kevin Smith as Jay and Silent Bob. And it even has a little cameo in there from uh, Matt Damon. And you get Brian O'Halloran, uh, uh, who was Dante and Clerks as a, as a cameo in here as well. So that's kind of fun. Um, I like to pretend that that is Dante, but after he got his, uh, after he really found a way to excel. You know, the joke is that every non-Clerks movie that Brian O'Halloran is in, he plays a character with the last name Hicks. So somehow they're related to Dante Hicks. But you would uh, only know uh, that by looking at credits or by paying really close attention to the dialogue. It's not a huge thing that, that um, pays off. You don't get to see the whole Hicks family tree at any point, at least as far as I know. Um, well, one day that'll be a special feature on the. It could be. I wouldn't put it past him. Uh, music and da- Chasing Amy is by David Perner. Cinematography is by David Klein, and um, yeah, off, this had a budget of two hundred fifty thousand dollars. And uh, just for comparison, Kevin Smith's film uh, he did before Chasing Amy, and we covered it last week on the sequel cast, was Mallrats, and that had a budget of six million. So he decided to go much smaller budget intentionally, and I, I do think overall Chasing Amy is a better movie than Mallrats, 
for reasons uh, we'll get into shortly. Or perhaps you disagree with me, Thrasher. Uh, disagree with you on what point specifically? Do you think Chase Amy is better than Mallrats? Yes. Okay. Uh, I, I'm going to say yes. Uh, what's going to be really interesting is when we get to Dogma, but no, I do. I, I did find uh, Chasing Amy to be a much better, much more satisfying film than Mallrats. And even Clerks in a lot of ways. Hmm. That's uh, that's pretty interesting. You know, and um, before Kevin Smith uh, directed Chasing Amy, he was dating the star of the film, Joey Lauren Adams. I can't hear that without thinking it's like Joey Lawrence. Yeah, no, it is kind of similar, isn't it, with the name? That That guy from the early 90s who used to say, whoa. Yeah. And had a recording career or something. And sort. Uh, but Joey Lauren Adams and Kevin Smith were broken up by the time they started filming Chasing Amy. Nah, that's the best way to do it. Yeah, so I mean, I, I bet that might have been awkward at times, but I, I don't know. You know, it seems uh, she certainly has a unique voice, doesn't she? Just the way it sounds. She, she's kind of like she's like there's like a Jennifer Tilly uh-huh. quality to her voice, but it doesn't sound affected. Which I think really helps. Jennifer Tilly's voice is a bit more husky, maybe, but it, it's similar in that, like, it's nasally but still breathy at the same time. It's a, I often get these two actresses confused, but it could be just because I haven't seen them both in a whole lot. Well, you know, have you ever seen them both in the same movie at the same time? There could be something going. No, on. no, I haven't. But um, not even sure if they, if Joey Lauren Adams and Jennifer Tilly have starred in the same movie at the same time. But that is uh, that is possible. So, uh, when did you first see uh, Chasing Amy, Thrasher? This morning. Oh, you hadn't seen it before. Yeah, no. It, it's again when 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 it was released. I it uh, it as I recall, it didn't really have a a, a wide release. Um, no, it didn't. So it it completely passed me by when it came out, and. Uh, it was it was the film that uh, all throughout college people kept uh, people kept recommending to me, but for whatever reason nobody had a VHS or a DVD I could hmm. borrow, and I couldn't find it. Uh, uh, I couldn't find it in the uh, any of the video stores uh, around Savannah, Georgia, which is weird. You'd think it would be abundant, but then again, maybe maybe I had a blind spot for it. So no, the first time I saw it was this morning. It was time well spent. Uh, it is worth noting when Chasing Amy came out on DVD, it was released as part of the Criterion Collection. And Criterion is a company that releases uh, films on DVD that, um, you know, are usually culturally significant in some way. Or they they release them right too. Yeah, they, they right. put a lot of nice extra material. And this is the only Kevin Smith film that has been in the Criterion collection. But when Chasing Amy came out on Blu-ray, it was not still uh, part of the Criterion collection. And a lot of that's like for rights reasons. It's not because they don't think the film is worthy or whatever. But you've got to relicense everything, and and you know they they all have their right. reasons, but. I just thought that was pretty interesting because a lot of Criterion stuff is foreign films, or at least that's what I think of stuff from that uh, collection of DVDs. Yeah, Chasing Amy, I uh, didn't see it until I I bought it on DVD just because I was starting to buy DVDs at the time and was collecting Kevin Smith films in particular. And it's it's one I I like more uh, now that I'm older than when I was younger. I've actually... uh, And... um, college and, and out of college had uh dated women that were bisexual and the sort of experience of that and the kind of confusing emotions that can arise and uh 
in people, or at least it did in me. Uh, it, you also dated women who were experimenting with being Japanese. What are you talking about? Do you, do you remember? Oh, do you, do you remember? Uh, it was after uh, after you had left SCAD when you visited, and uh, the woman you were dating at the time was uh, was with you, and she she had this uh, this affectation that I found very frustrating, where she kept peppering she kept peppering her sentences with with Japanese words. Oh, while I was at SCAD. Oh, what? Oh, were you still attending? I thought you had left by then. Because it was after I graduated. No, that's true. You you were there for a year or two after I graduated. Yes. I must be. I must be misremembering You're, that part. Right. That was uh, someone else. After I mean, I did visit with a girlfriend when I after I had graduated when you and Jason were living together. Uh, yeah. But no, you're right. That that's a completely different thing entirely. Um, <laughs> true. It's just it's just something like I. It, it's just something that that really bothered me for whatever reasons. Like, if you can't take the time to attempt to learn the language, don't like borrow five words or phrases and use them constantly. That is something Saturday Night Live got right in that sketch. Uh, Was it the the how to order sushi? No, sketch? It, it's like these uh, people form an anime club at their high at their high school, and there's a teacher that sponsors it. And they're all dressed like anime kind of characters and add random Japanese phrases, overly cutesy style, in whatever they say. I oh wait, I think I may have seen one is one Fred Armisen is one of the I forget the uh, actress that's in that bit. Anyway, we're not they have like talking a... about SNL. We're talking about Chasey Amy. <laughs> um, well, are you sure? Because there is a there is a connection. Uh, <laughs> The uh, Joey Lauren Adams was one of Connie Conehead's friends in the Coneheads movie. Really, I have not yep. seen the Coneheads movie, and uh, since it came out on videotape. If if we ever do franchise non-starters, I just want to do an interesting audio commentary. We ought to check out Coneheads. Yeah, I wouldn't mind that. That'd be fun. Um, and we should mention. I forgot to mention at the top of the show. Our website is at sequelcast.com. You can check out the whole Sequelcast series of shows including sequel cast, sequel commentary, and sequel cast special. It's new and improved. Exactly. And if you go to facebook.com slash, facebook.com slash sequel cast, you can check us out on there as well. And our theme song, as always, is written and performed by Mark with a C. At sequelcast.com, you can check out some of our, uh, we're an Amazon affiliate, so next time you want to shop at Amazon, just go to sequelcast.com and click on one of our Amazon links. We'll get a little cut of that. Every little bit helps. And you can also hear us on Stitcher. You can download the app at stitcher.com slash sequelcast, and sequelcast automatically gets added as a favorite to your uh, favorites in uh, Stitcher. So, all right, plug, plug, plug. All that's out of the way. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Jason Amy, you know, you do see something in this that you see in other Kevin Smith films, and that he has actors return back, but they play different roles. And so in here, you know, Ben Affleck had a pretty small part in Mallrats. And, uh, but here he has, he's, he's the lead, uh, one of the leads, Holden McNeil. And Jason Lee in this plays Banky Edwards, and Jason Lee was a lead in Mallrats. So, but they're certainly playing different characters. Uh, what did you think about their relationship in this film? Because that's a big part of it. Really, really good. Uh, actually, uh, do, you, do you want this conversation to be at all chronological? Um, we can just talk about the acting to begin with, I think. Okay, well, no, no, I thought, I thought it had a great relationship, it was very, it's very truthful, I've had a lot of, I've had a lot of, like, 
I've had a lot of friendships that were also creative partnerships, and there is a lot of there's a lot of truth to just everything that goes into the way these characters uh, interact with each other and get frustrated with each other and defend each other. Yeah, watching it this time around, I almost thought that um, the way Jason Lee acted as Banky is almost more like an adolescent, and Ben Affleck as Holden was a bit more mature. Well, I think what it is is the the Banky character. We 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 all have that friend who who thinks they can who, who sort of who thinks they can say anything who kind of thinks that they're doing you a favor if they provoke you. Uh, I I, th- I think that's where that uh, that comes from with him. Yeah, and I like you know that it's not a flawless relationship, even though I mean in the um, book they uh, are comic book artists and they do a uh, and uh, Holden. Uh, does the penciling for the comic and Banky does the inking. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And the comic they do is a neat bit of... Uh... Oh, what were you going to say? Oh, no, just I, I like the... I do also like the, uh, the... This is... I mean, of course, you know, Kevin Smith wrote a lot of comic books, yep. uh, which which goes a long way to making the depiction of comic books, comic book artists, and comic book conventions in this film very realistic. Uh, and I love that, and I, I just love that bit at the beginning with that 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 guy who doesn't understand what an inker actually does. He calls it tracing, and sort of yeah, tries to boil it down to tracing, and it really isn't. Right, and it's funny because the the comic book that Holden and Banky are successful with is called Blunt Man and Chronic, which is basically like Jay and Silent Bob as stoner superheroes, uh, and Silent Bob looks like how he was dressed in uh, Mallrats when he's dressed up like Batman going around the mall. Pretty much, yeah. And later on in Jan Silent Bob Strike Back, that whole movie is about Jan Silent Bob going to Hollywood to star in a Blunt Man and Chronic feature film. So, it's... Oh, you know what I you know what I liked with a lot of the uh, a lot of the uh, the comic book uh, art uh, is that the uh, the character Madman you can see him lurking in some of the panels. <laughs> yeah, uh, created by Mike Aldred. Oh, the, oh, okay, that's pretty cool. I, I really like in the opening credits, kind of like in the opening credits of Mallrats, that you see these comic book sort of stills, and the music in the opening credits of Chasing Amy is. Uh, it's something real special, I think. It, you know, it's not lyrics, but it's just this sort of uh, la 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 da 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 da. Like I don't. It's just something with the this voice just kind of humming along to this song. This kind of works and gives it a unique feel for the uh, opening credits. And I think the music throughout this whole film is actually used pretty effectively. Yeah, it's really good music. I love that cover of "Let's Go" by the Cars. That's uh, that's uh, in the beginning, uh, during the, in the uh, the comic convention sequence. Yeah, uh, one character I really like in the film that I wish would have been in it more is a uh, Dwight Yule who plays Hooper X. And um, oh yeah, he is. Oh, oh, the 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 uh, the guy who does uh, the coon. Yes, the coon. he does a comic book called The Coon. That's kind of like a Black Panther kind of superhero, sort of. And he has this like tough guy facade he puts on, but in his personal life, he's a, a gay. He's a homosexual, and it kind of plays off on the dichotomy between the two 
and even to the point where he he's doing a presentation about his comic and he he makes it look like he's shooting a gun and stuff everywhere just to get his tough guy image i i really like that scene i love that bit cuz you know he's given he's given this re, you know really powerful speech about uh about how you know he doesn't want to have superheroes that play step and fetch it and uncle tom to to white heroes and then how his comic book's going to be different which of course leads to an immediate stan daniel's turn when when the comic book is called the coon and yeah then and then uh and then Banky starts starts like starts taunting him, and I thought that was Banky just being Banky, and I thought I thought he was actually getting shot at. Uh, I, I thought it was a great reveal when it turns out that you know the the, the tough guy's in, image is just just an affectation, and that clearly this is uh, <laughs> clearly this is something that they've probably done several times before. It's also interesting. Jason Amy is Kevin Smith's third film. It's also the third Viewers Universe film. And it's you have yet another Star Wars reference in here, just like in all the other films, where uh, Banky is talking to Hooper X about um, Darth Vader, and uh, they talk about Darth Vader being a we talking about uh, racial, racial symbolism. symbolism. In Star Wars yeah. trilogy. It's pretty Which funny. Is, again, it's another one of the it's another one of those moments where clearly Kevin Smith has thought out the logic that these characters would bring to those uh, to those moments in Star Wars. And later in the film, uh, the character of Hooper X has a great monologue in which he says he's a minority of a minority of a minority. That, you know, not only is he black, but he's also gay, and uh, he also draws comics for a living and all this other stuff. Like, it's just uh, really interesting. There's a lot to the character. I wish he was in the film more, but he's not, you know, really a main character. The uh, Yeah, he, he, he just kind of serves to do that shtick at the beginning to get... Uh, uh, to get Holden introduced uh, to Alyssa, and then to give that monologue uh, about two thirds of the way through. But but yeah, it would be nice to see him have a, a, a bigger impact. Right, and uh, you know Alyssa is uh, played by Joey Lauren Adams, as we said earlier, and Holden is uh, attracted to her. And uh, I, one thing that did throw me off in this film is seeing Ben Affleck with the goatee. You don't see him with the <laughs> goatee in a whole lot of things. And this was before Ben Affleck really blew up big in Hollywood. Still, so was this was this before or after Goodwill Hunting? Um, good question. Chasing Amy was ninety seven, and Goodwill Hunting uh, was that same year. So, oh well, there you go. And next year, you know, Ben Affleck was in in ninety eight. Ben Affleck was in Shakespeare in Love and Armageddon, and stuff, which are. Much bigger films. Which are two sides of the same coin, really. Yeah, sure. I mean, they uh, they both won a lot of Oscars, right? No, maybe not. Uh, they both also competed with Godzilla in the box office. That's ter- That's a terrible film. My God. <laughs> Godzilla, yeah. yeah we'll do, I, I'm sure we'll tackle that in some, in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, but then how would we narrow it down? That'd be a challenge, because I, I, I would not want to spend... We can do it by air. Yeah, I would not want to spend half a year doing Godzilla movies. That would, I think, drive me insane. Uh, <laughs> but back to chasing Amy, of course. Yeah, the relationship is really, you know, they have sort of a friendship. There's a flirtation there. And uh, you have a really great scene where Holden is alone with Alyssa and he uh, he confesses his love to her, even though he's seeing that uh, she's a lesbian. Yeah, well, I'm, well that, that whole... Con- that- confession actually happens was that about the midpoint of well the it is 
Because initially yeah, he doesn't they, know they, that she's know. a lesbian and he's kind of flirty with her. And then they go to uh, a bar where a friend of hers, where she sings on stage. And then she goes and she hugs and kisses a, a girlfriend or a girl that she just hooks up with. And there's a close-up, and the music kind of sounds like a siren going off in the background. And you can see Holden is kind of crushed. Yeah, well, we've all we've all had that relationship where we're where we we're in love with a woman that, for any number of reasons, we just we can't have a relation that kind of relationship with. Uh, whether you know whether it's because of of her sexuality or she's married or or, or, any, or any you know any number of reasons. There, we've all had that that woman that we that we cannot have a, a full reciprocal relationship with the way we want to. But yet Holden is, even though he's hurt, he's mature about it in the in the beginning. You know, he he still wants to be friends with her and spends a lot of time with her. And he even is supposed to go off to a, a comic convention out of town with Banky. But at the last second, he gets a phone call from Alyssa and he decides he'd rather crash and spend the weekend uh, with Alyssa and just sends uh, Banky off to the convention by himself. With, with the, and this really hurts Banky's feelings. Yeah, well, there, that's one thing that I really, that's one thing I, I really like is that at first, Banky is all gun ho about uh, gung ho about Alyssa being a lesbian. Uh, he he clearly, you know, he clearly gets off on it. There's even like when when there he's when when Alyssa's making out with that other girl at the bar, and he's like he's telling uh, he's telling Holden, "Come on, when's when are we ever going to get a, t- a chance to see this firsthand as it happens?" Um, but then you know as as uh, Holden stays friends with Alyssa, the the Banky completely turns around because he feels their friendship is threatened. Well, not only does he feel the friendship is threatened, I think he also feels hurt that he, you know, isn't able to spend. Banky's not able to spend as much time with Holden as he used to because Holden is a, uh, you know, gets a gets a girlfriend. And there's there's jealousy in that, I think. But I mean, as we men- as I was mentioning before, they have the confession. The confession scene in the car between Holden and Alyssa is very powerful. It's a very it's, he lays it all out. Yes, it's a really good uh, you know scene with a, you know it's it's a very believable confession of love, and I really buy uh, I really buy Holden's frustration. The there's the one thing I don't quite like about that scene is that when when Alyssa gets her chance to to when Alyssa says her piece yeah. like I buy her emotion but everything she says feels way too scripted for me it doesn't it, it it's as if she's been planning this retort for weeks when when she finally gets it's a bit it. too wordy huh well it's not that it's too too wordy is that it's too eloquent for someone yeah, who's in right. that kind of emotional moment and consequently, Again, the, the emotions are real, but the words are, are artificial. Right, and Holden's you know speech is, that he gave in the car is a lot more uh, raw and it's to messy. The point, and messy, right? And, and that's a really good point. I never thought of that before. But uh, Alyssa's argument back is just so yeah planned out. I think you had it perfect, and it, it's still effective. And she's like, oh, you're really selfish. How could, you know, why are you even telling this to me anyway? And I mean, that he even says that is a big, uh, 
is a big risk because he knows it could end their friendship. And they, they chase oh, each yeah. other out in the rain. And then as uh, he goes back to the car, she says she's going to hitchhike or catch a bus or something. She runs back, she holds him and kisses him back. And they hold at that moment. And that's a real nice moment because it comes as a surprise, I think, or it did for me when I first saw this. And actually, that that does bring me to one. Uh, I don't even. I'm not even sure if this is a criticism, but one thought that kept coming back to me. I I enjoy films that take their time. Uh, and I I generally, you know, I I I'm I'm willing to invest the time into it if the film if the film is long. But about by by about this point in the film, I kept finding myself checking to see how much time was left. Mm. And a thought that I kept having. Is after he makes his after he makes his confession, and after she leaves the car. Every, at the end of every moment after that, I thought, "Oh, this would be a perfect place to end the movie." Oh wait, there's more. Well, this would be the perfect place to end the movie. Oh wait, there's more. So, did you feel the movie was just, too long, or you just were getting bored with it, or? Well, it's. I, I guess it's not that. It's not that I felt it was too long. I mean, I don't feel my, my time was wasted. It's just that the the way the story was being told, I felt that the the end the end of every scene was a good moment to end on. But then that ending didn't come, and it started to get it started to get a little bit confusing. Right, because they do sort of wrap up once she declares his love for him. <coughs> they go out on dates and all this stuff. I think it's a real funny scene where they um, have uh, uh, sex for the first time on, on Banky's couch, and they're asleep on his couch, and Banky walks in. He, like, drops his orange juice on the floor. I think it was chocolate milk, Oh, was it chocolate milk? Actually. It was some sort of drink, I remember. It, it looked like it, but I I, and, I wasn't really paying too much attention to the And Banky and Holden go outside to talk it over, and Banky's like, you know, you, re- you, you should go and clean that couch so I can sit on it and watch TV, which is kind of a mean thing to say, but... Well, what else is it? I don't know. I mean, Banky, he... uh, They have a room they could have gone to. They do, yeah. They just uh, didn't want to... They were too lazy to take the few extra steps to go into the room, I guess. Um, Well, I've been there. Yeah, sure. It's... uh, Yeah, I guess the bed's not the only place to make love. Uh, I was going to say, as they say, but that's not an expression. So... (laughs) (laughs) Well, you have to you have to like do it, uh, you know. The bed's the not the only place to make love, as they say. Uh, yeah, maybe Sean Connery did say that in a movie. I don't know. It's a good point. With uh, so we've been talking uh, throughout our look at the Viewers Universe films over at the sequel cast. Some of the uh, references between the various films. Chasing Amy has a few that go back to Clerks. Yeah, and they they reference the funeral, I believe. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, Alyssa... Oh, and the corpse fucking. Right, no, Alyssa talks about she had a crush on uh, Caitlin, who was the character in Clerks that uh, you know ended up fucking the corpse in the bathroom. And later on, uh, you get to see a scene where Banky is telling Holden he talked to a friend of his who tells a story about that... Uh, and I think it's like in high school or something. Alyssa had a threesome with two guys. Oh yeah, yeah, two guys from Jersey. Uh, giving her the nickname Finger Cuffs because that's what it said below her name in the high school yearbook. 
And when this guy is telling the story about what happens to Banky, he's standing outside of the Quick Stop uh, convenience store from Clerks. Yeah. So I, th- I thought that was a real nice touch. And it's strange seeing it in color since uh, the original Clerks was in black and white. But it's nice seeing it. I kind of like there, there's a couple of I did like those moments where, you know, if you've been paying attention to Kevin Smith's film, there those little those little eyeball kicks and callbacks. And I did I did appreciate that. You know, it, it, it's kind of a those moments are kind of rewards for investing in, in Kevin Smith's uh, other films. Uh, that being said, though, one thing that I didn't feel worked quite right was the way Jay and Silent Bob were included in this film. I really wish they had shown up uh earlier they only really get one scene and it's that protracted diner scene uh, towards the end right i think before we get there though it's worth mentioning out mentioning that holden is upset that Alyssa had a threesome in high school and again it brings up the point in a relationship do you really want to know what your partner did in their previous relationships or are they just going to tell you anyway is it something you get out right up front or just don't talk about it at all i think it's a real for me it's always been a real touchy subject you know because because they might well, ask guess, you guess... outright what's the number how many people have you slept with or what you know whatever it is well you know because because the thing is like certain when, when you're going into, into a sexual relationship there, there are certain questions that do need to, to, to be yep. asked if you know if if only because you know no one wants to no one wants to contract or spread an std well yes um so there's you know there's just basic you know which that you know that can be solved with a screening between relationships which is a, a practice that i advocate but um i guess i guess the the thing is when it, it uh when when you tell when you tell someone what you've done sexually in the past, if you're telling a guy that, whether you know it or not, you are now promising to do that thing again. Mm. Uh, and but that's the thing, right. though, is that is that uh, Aly- Alyssa isn't the one who tells all these sorted these sorted details to uh, to Holden. You know, he he gets it he gets it fr- uh, you know, from Banky, who got it from other people involved. And that's the thing because she didn't say it. You know, there's really no there's really there's no there's no sort of implied promise that you're still going to pr- do that kind of activity but it's st- but it's still kind of kind of uh you know uh eats at him it's 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 again it's you know it's 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 one of those things when you're when you're in when you're in a, a sexual relationship with somebody there is very often there's that headspace you get into, and and anyone can can get into, man or woman, where you kind of feel like as long as you're in that relationship, you all effectively own each other's sex and everything that goes with it, including all the activities you may or may not have done in the past. On Apocrypals, we talk about the parts of the Bible that a lot of people skip over, like the wizard battles, the angel jacuzzis, a goat full of sins. 500 drunk elephants and a man named Porky Party. And yes, that's all really in there. All this and more on Apocrypals every other week on the Greenlit Podcast Network. How does Bloodborne stack up against, say, Oregon Trail? And is Bomberman just Loadrunner from a different point of view? Find out on Hardcore Gaming 101's Top Games, where we objectively, definitively, and scientifically rank the games you nominate for our ever-growing list. HG 101's Top Games, twice a week, every week. Right here on Greenlit. Yeah, I mean, this part of the movie reminded me of something uh, from my own life when I, uh, you know, before I got married, of course, when I dated some uh, a girl and she was telling a story of, oh, how one week on spring break she had, 
sex with two different people in the same week that she had never slept with before just because she wanted to. And I didn't mind that she told her that she told me that, but for some reason that kept on bugging me. And I was thinking, well, I rather would not have known. But, you know, it's one thing if someone tells you something like that about their sexual history. But the way in this film how Holden confronts Alyssa about it is kind of dickish, I think. Yeah, it is. It it do, it, it that certainly is very very inappropriate. If you're going to have that kind of conversation, you shouldn't do it uh, in a public venue. <laughs> you shouldn't be sort of. It's it shouldn't be something that you're picking at. I mean, they frankly, it should have been back in the apartment, one of their apartments, where they were alone, and he should have just flat out said, "Look, I'd like to discuss our past sexual history." Right. That would have been the responsible thing to do, and I think that would have saved both of them a lot of frustration. Yep. And it just you know messes up their emotions, they're in a tough spot, and then they go into the Jay and Silent Bob scene you were talking about. Do you think it felt like a forced cameo from these characters? It didn't It didn't feel forced because they actually do contribute to the story, but I really felt that they, they should have had a presence in the movie in the movie mm. earlier, uh, like much earlier. The, like, cause, like, since I've seen Kevin Smith films, I know that Blunt Man and Chronic are clearly based off of those two. But... I, I I don't recall. I don't even think their names get. No, mentioned. they never go into it, which is uh, really like they just go strange. out of, go out of nowhere. If you're not familiar with Kevin Smith's work, I can't imagine what you you think about them just showing up. Oh wait, those people are based on real guys. What? They could have made an appearance at the comic book convention at the beginning or something. You know. Yeah, or 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 even act, or even when he's like when Banky is looking uh, uh, looking at. Uh, uh, Alyssa's past sexual history. I think it would be absolutely hilarious <laughs> if Jay uh, was involved in that, or at least pretended to be, and we got to see a confession from Jay. Yeah, and uh, Silent Bob, uh, you know, played by Kevin Smith, of course, has his biggest monologue yet in the the speech that he gives. And he has the titular line. He talks about chasing Amy, that, yep. that he had a girlfriend and he sabotaged a relationship because he wasn't sure about her sexual past. And because of this, he, he yeah. let her go. And every day since, he's been chasing Amy, so to speak. So, I think as a title for the film, Chasing Amy, can be kind of confusing. You're looking at the poster, and you see the big picture of Joey Lauren Adams, and you're like, oh, is she Amy? Who's Amy? What does that <laughs> title even mean? But, again, it's not well, a know, title I, I, describing I would... people like clerks or mall rats. You know, like a kind of person. Well, I I uh, was I, I won't I won't say confused, but when Alyssa showed up and clearly was going to be the romantic focus for for Holden, I was expecting her name to turn out to be Amy. But when it wasn't, I'm like, well, okay, I'm sure the movie will <laughs> bring that title into context at some point, and, and and it did. I'm not the kind of person that that fixates on a title. I think titles are really important. I think it would have been funny if they never would have referred to what Amy was. So it would just have been called Chasing Amy with no explanation. Little in, in, in like uh, in parentheses underneath it. It's the name of a girl that Silent Bob was in love with. <laughs> we'll explain it later. Or it's called Chasing Amy and there's like a red crayon through Amy and there's Alyssa written below it. I don't know. That's... Oh, actually, speak, speaking of obsessing over titles, yeah. uh, I wrote a uh, I wrote a scenario called uh it, uh this was uh 
if, if you've been to Origins or Gen Con, heck, you might have even played in this. It was a it was a, a, a live action role play scenario that we've done at a few conventions called High Noon at Terra Firma, the Wild West LARP that almost isn't. And I got a letter from a, a I got a letter from somebody uh, after one of the conventions where we ran it, where he was he was he was explaining that his friend was confused by the title and thought that I hadn't finished writing it, that there was more after that. <laughs> that he completely didn't get the turn of phrase, the the something that almost isn't. Well, he, he... And for, for for whatever reason, that, that... I can't say, I can't say it bothered me, but I had, I had one of those Philistine kind of moments. We took the time to write you a letter that's more than a lot of people do. Yes, however, that was just... That was just one paragraph of a lengthy point-by-point breakdown he sent me of his experience in our events. At wow. Which, which included, a, and I, I'm not making this up, and I think I've still got this saved, it included a, a, a uh, you know, he had, like, advice for the future, and one of the pieces of advice was, you know, this this is this thing. Uh, I didn't see this happening in any of your games, but here's how you can avoid it in the future. There was a whole part of this letter explaining to us how we could not do something or how we could avoid something that we weren't doing to begin with. Isn't unrequited advice the worst sometimes? Uh, yeah, I got to agree with Alan Sherman. Free advice is the same as bad advice. Yeah. Uh, well, we should go back to chasing Amy. I appreciate the guy's enthusiasm, but there there comes a point when you're hurting more than you're helping. Right. Uh, for me, the big climactic scene in the film is Holden invites Alyssa and Banky over to kind of you know kind of do a, a confessional thing. He apologizes to Alyssa and wants to remain her boyfriend, and. He he says that Banky is in love with him, and he kisses Banky. I, that struck me as a weird moment. Well, that's that scene was very frustrating to me on a number. Yeah, of I mean it's important to the film. It's kind of where everything finally goes down south. And I mean the way it's framed, I could tell what the Holden was going to say before he said it. Oh, oh yeah, and th- that's well, that's not what bothered. Oh, okay, me. what bothered you about it? Well, well, what it, well, what it, what it was, well, 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 once again, still all these moments where I kept thinking, oh, this is a perfect place to end this. Oh, wait, but the thing that really got to me, how dumb is Holden? He honestly thinks like it's a good idea to get Alyssa and Banky together so he can talk to them because they are the, they are the two most important relationships he's ever had. And there is a conflict between them, and they make an interesting triangle, and there's stuff yeah. that clearly needs to be resolved. But really, this is what he thinks <laughs> thinks will work. Just in like I've I have I've loved all these characters the whole film, but in that moment, Holden becomes unbelievable yeah. and un- unsympathetic, and I I just I I and I frankly I I I didn't buy it. I. Like it just—it felt like this is what we have to have him say because this is a Kevin Smith movie. It—it—I just—it didn't feel emotionally true. It didn't feel like something. It didn't feel like something he would say. It—it it, it makes me question everything he's done in the entire film. Is he just a crass idiot that, by coincidence, said some things that that sounded 
intelligent. You know? I mean, yeah, when it gets to the point that Holden suggests a threesome between himself, Banky, and Alyssa, when I first saw this film, my jaw hit the floor. I, I was just, I was kind of predicting that would, would happen, but it seemed that such a bomb to lay down, it's either going to go wildly in your favor or everything's going to break apart. And, uh, you know, in the, in the way it goes in this film, everything breaks apart. And you can see, of course, Alyssa's angry at this suggestion. And Banky's like, oh, yeah, okay, I'll do it. But, I mean... Well, it's it's almost like Holden wanted to sabotage these relationships yeah. so that he could be completely cut loose from these people. I which don't is know. It is. It's, uh, but that the movie makes you care so much about the characters that you get emotionally invested in the scene. However... Uh, unbelievable it might seem or at least it did to me uh it says something because it does make you care about these characters and i care more about the characters in chasing amy than i did with the characters in clerks or mall rats kevin smith is clearly going for something although it has its funny moments he's going for something more serious and more adult in tone here and i think he and i think he really really succeeds except for that moment (laughs) what did you think about the epilogue of the film then that well once again this would be a perfect place to end the movie oh wait i was i was kind of well i liked that the epilogue created a you know the movie begins as it ends yep um i like knowing that these characters still exist and are successful but to you know to to an extent but i really it it created a really nasty gap because I'm like because like because I'll let me think so so wait a minute they that was it that was like the last big moment that any of these characters had together and they haven't worked or spoken to each other since I I could not buy that that he and he and Banky would just completely separate I I really wanted to see what happened in that gap to bring them to that point. I can understand I can understand he and Alyssa being completely separate after that, but he he and Banky, I I I again I don't I don't quite buy it. And yet I did buy the line of dialogue Alyssa has at the end where her girlfriend is asking who Holden was and she says, "Oh, just some guy I knew." And she looks hurt yeah. and I think that's a good note to end it on, although I thought it's a bit cheesy that Holden wrote a comic called Chasing Amy based on their failed relationship. I don't know. I think that's kind of... Well, because that I liked, because it was earlier, much earlier in the movie, he was talking about how he wanted to do something less commercial and more personal, and I like that he he did. Um, I, I, in many ways, I want to read that comic. Hmm. Uh, but it's... I don't know. It was, it was uh, that that kind of stuff I liked, and you know what? Actually, I kept thinking when I was watching this scene was the end of uh, was the end of Dark Knight Rises. Why? Well, just you know, like uh, where you know Holden looks across the the crowded oh, convention yeah. floor <laughs> and he makes eye contact with yeah, uh, with true. Banky, but they don't actually speak. It was just it was just like the it just reminded me of that whole thing at the end of Dark Knight Rises. You know, I'll be at the cafe and I'll look across. And I'll see you drinking a coffee with a wife and kids, and I don't say a word. We just we look, <laughs> and we part ways, and we know each other has lived. I just it felt like that. It's pretty funny. Uh, only Michael Caine could have. Yeah. Been so you know, I think we've had a good discussion here about chasing Amy. Uh, would you recommend someone watch the film? Absolutely. Yeah, me too. I think it's has a lot of very. Uh, interesting 
things it covers. Uh, I recall at one point my uh, my stepdad watched the film, not with me, but he said that he really enjoyed it, and he never saw a Kevin Smith uh, film before, but he could still get into well, it you know, and uh, and get what was going on and stuff. You know something that that I, I felt really needed to be resolved. Mm was there's a whole bit where Bluntman and Chronic have reached a level of success where there there's uh going to be an animated That's series. right. And, and they they um are, are pitching they, like, it to Brian O'Halloran and and Matt Damon's characters in a brief scene. Yeah, yeah, there's like like that snippet of a uh-huh. meeting with executives. But like it doesn't like I I don't know, I felt more should have happened with that cuz I felt like you you could have Chronicled uh, Banky and Banky and uh, Holden's relationship by the development of that animated series. And of course, at the end, hey, wasn't there going to be an animated series? No, it didn't happen. But one th- other thing that stuck in my mind: this was you know made in the, in the mid '90s. This was you know before Adult Swim. Right. What network was going to show a cartoon <laughs> called Blunt Man and Chronic? Well, um, by '97, yeah, HBO. HBO you had they did Sp- Spicy, Spicy City. City. You had. Uh... The Spawn cartoon around that time, I believe. Yeah, but yeah, no, I, guess I mean so, certainly but... for like our ninety seven was before South Park, right? Or around the same time? Uh no, no, South Park. Uh, South Park had been on the air. South Park started in it debuted in ninety seven, so it came out that same year. Uh, but Chase Namey came out before South Park. Whatever, I mean they're not related, but you know it really wasn't until a few years later when Adult Swim came out and South Park blew up that you started to see comedies that had a bit more adult humor. You know, and although The Simpsons had um, had humor, it wasn't... didn't have necessarily a lot of, like, uh, like druggy humor kind of stuff, which you see a lot on well, Adult never, Swim stuff. Well, they're, all of the drug-based humor in The Simpsons has never been, with the exception of the Homer the Pothead episode... Uh, has never been about anyone intentionally taking drugs, although they have made references. Wow, this concert smells like Otto's jacket. Yeah, right. You know, they've they've had references, but they've never like uh, they they've never done any. They've well, again, actually, we never even really get to see much of the content of Bluntman and Chronic. We just you know from their names, we know that they are somehow pot related superheroes, but we know nothing about the adventures that they have. Yeah, no, that's a. Uh... Neat point, but you do get to see, you know, after this film, uh, Kevin Smith did a Blunt Man and Chronic comic book, and uh, he also did a comic book called Chasing Dogma that talks about what Jay and Silent Bob did between Chasing Amy and Dogma. Which I'd like to read now. And some of that material actually shows up in Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back, uh, believe it or not. Oh hey, you know what? Mm. Uh, looking looking this over, did uh, did you uh, sit through the entirety of the credits? No. If you if you watch the entirety of the credits, at the very end of the credits, this thing comes up. It says Jay and Silent Bob will return in Dogma. Yeah. So he's and part you know part of me wonders was Kevin Smith planning that far ahead or did he just kind of throw that up there for the fans and then well now I guess I gotta make Dogma. well the original clerk says that as well it says they will return in Dogma, um, Dogma was an earlier script that he wrote just uh, you know he didn't uh, it, it just didn't become a film until it was Kevin Smith's uh, fourth film after Chasing Amy oh, yeah. so um, but yeah that is an homage to James Bond movies where it says James Bond will return and. Octopus. Octopus they don't always do that, though. They they kind of do that more at the older ones, I think. 
and sometimes those didn't match up either. Um, very cool. Uh, well, now we're going to play a, a game on Sequel Cast we do every week called oh. Pitch a Sequel, in which uh, we pretend there. Were, in this case, there was not a sequel made to Chasing Amy, so we're, we're going to pitch. <laughs> uh, we're going to pitch a sequel, and uh, I, I'll begin. Since uh, Chasing Amy, in some ways, is about Holden and Banky, their friendship kind of uh, growing apart. I think it would be interesting to go back and do a, a prequel about Holden Banky meeting up and coming up with the idea for Blunt Man and Chronic that becomes such a big success. And it would involve them meeting up with the Jay and Silent Bob characters somehow and getting inspired from maybe, you know, somehow buying their, their rights to do a comic book based off them for really cheaply for like a sandwich or something. I don't know. And the... uh the title I think you would, I would give it is uh, "Blunt Man Begins" <laughs> for a Chasing Amy sequel. Uh, sequel that's actually a prequel. That's my idea. What's your pitch of sequel, Thrasher? <laughs> First, I will b- bake you. <laughs> then you will have my permission to get high. <laughs> um, I would do. Uh, I would do Chasing Justice. Hmm where it takes place several years later. And what's happened is it turns out that the development deal that didn't go anywhere for a Bluntman and Chronic uh, animated series, turns out there was some nasty uh, fine print. And because the creative partnership of Banky and and Holden broke up, the copyright status of Bluntman and Chronic entered entered flux. So the short of it is some crooked network executives do a really shitty watered-down, Saturday morning cartoon-friendly version of Blunt Man and Chronic, which nevertheless is wildly popular and is raking in a fortune. So what it, beco- what it becomes is that Jay and Silent Bob want to keep getting their their image license checks, so Jay and Silent Bob have to get Banky and Holden together, uh, back together and reform their creative partnerships they can then get back the intellectual property rights to Blunt Man and Chronic and make it what it was always meant to be. And there's a thrilling courtroom, a thrilling but hilarious courtroom scene and, you know, breaking into network executives' homes and offices to, you know, get document to prove that things were stolen and uh, all sorts of shenanigans and hijinks. And in the end, it's about friendship. In the end, Banky and, uh, and Holden realized that it was foolish to go their separate ways. They are stronger together than they could be separate. Hmm. That'd be uh, pretty, pretty neat. Those are two very different takes on uh, pitching possible sequels to Chasing Amy. <laughs> uh, now we're going to go into what you're watching, where we talk about Whee! a uh, piece of media, whether it be video game, movie, film, book, whatever that we've enjoyed this past week. Uh, oh, can I issue a, a real quick correction? Yes. Uh, the Clerks. I believe it was the Clerks episode. I I incorrectly stated that Bach was a German composer. He was, in fact, from Austria. Okay. Correction noted. All right. So, because of this, uh, oh, uh, you can you can start with the um, what you're watching. Okay. Well, uh, I've been sort of deeply immersed in two uh, in two things. 
Uh, one, just you know, both for for fun and profit, I do I do write uh, Pathfinder compatible material uh, for for Paizo now and for uh, Skirmisher Publishing LLC, and so I've been familiarizing myself with the Ultimate Equipment Guidebook that uh, Paizo just put out, which is. It's if you if you like lists of equipment and uh, detailed rules for materials, this is your book. And from a game design standpoint, I've really enjoyed reading it uh, and keeping myself up to date, you know, with with these rules that I'm writing for. But on a much more interesting note, that I'm sure people uh, won't be bored to tears by, our our uh, Muppet uh, spinoff special. We talked about a lot of things, including dinosaurs. Yes. I've been rewatching the entire Jim Henson's Dinosaurs. because well, that's on Netflix. Uh, watch just, instantly now, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. We need to stop giving them free advertising. They're going to have to start paying off uh, for these these mentions. But um, but yeah, I've really been, I've really been. It, it just you know just made me crave that show, and so I've really enjoyed watching it, uh, watching dinosaurs and uh, reading Ultimate Equipment. So, how many episodes of Dinosaurs did they make all together? I want to say it's close to fifty. Is it okay? I mean, they had, they had, they had, uh, you wouldn't notice it from the original network run, but they had four seasons, and those seasons were pretty packed. Hmm. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I did watch that show when it first came on with my family, but we didn't watch it every week necessarily. So I'd be curious to see how it holds up. If it was on every Well, week. yeah, that too. That was a big thing at the time. There was also a writer's strike at the time uh, for one of the years it was on, so a lot of programming was... Uh, you know, there just wasn't, there were a lot of repeats instead of new material. Oh, there were 65 episodes? 65, okay, wow, that's that's quite a bit more than I thought there was. And, uh, hmm, neat. I'll have to check that out. Uh, is the baby as annoying as you remembered? Uh, he, uh, the baby's <laughs> only annoying in the first two episodes. After that, they start doing much more well-observed uh, toddler behavior. So they don't overdo his catchphrase much besides the beginning where it's, I'm the baby, gotta love me. Yeah, they really okay. cut it back. It's, there's a really, there's sort of a really good guide when a character has, like, in, in a sitcom, or really any show really where a character has a catchphrase. You don't really want to use that catchphrase more than once per episode. Hmm. And they get they get pretty good at that uh, uh, further down in the first season. And one thing that's interesting about it is that when um, it's dinosaurs wasn't meant to have a laugh track, but network executives, being the meddling fools that they are, thought, oh, well, people won't know they're supposed to laugh at this unless there's a laugh track. So it was a creative compromise. They had to put a laugh track in the first few episodes, which thankfully is not in the, the version that are on Netflix. However, the episodes are edited around the assumption that there's a laugh track. So as a result, the pacing of the early, the first three or four episodes is a little off and there's all these weird short pauses that clearly the laugh track was meant to go into huh but then it sort of picks up after that as far as that goes yeah once um once they hit gosh actually once once they hit uh the howling actually no i take that back once they hit the golden child which is episode six then it really, like, it becomes the show you remember. Hmm, okay. And it really picks up. It's written a lot more tightly. Yeah. The, the, the writers have found the voices of all the characters really good. Pretty interesting. Uh, yeah, one thing I was messing around with uh, last night is um, a demo for a, a game on Xbox Live Arcade. It's also on PlayStation Network, uh, you know, for the Xbox 360 or PS3, respectively. It's a game called Double Dragon Neon. And uh, Double Dragon is a very old series of games where you're just wandering around 
beating up people and there's very loose plot. You know, the Double Dragon came out before Final Fight, but it's that same kind of game where you kind of walk from left to right and beat up people and you can pick up weapons and do special moves and get points. And Double Dragon Neon, they intentionally... Uh, it's not a remake, uh, except for the first level is kind of a remake of the first level in the original video game. But they kind of take its inspiration from that, and the graphics, uh, true to the name, look very, very neon and 1980s looking. And it has an original soundtrack that's like all hard rockin' with electric guitar that matches the very silly vibe they're going for. And they updated the gameplay a bit to have a bit more complexity, but it's still pretty basic, like, one or two button mashing kind of fighting that can actually get pretty difficult at times. So, um, I think if you didn't grow up playing Double Dragon games, you might find Double Dragon Neon kind of boring or, or simplistic, but if you grew up with them like I did, I, I got a real kick out of the uh, the visual and especially the audio presentation of uh, Double Dragon Neon. It's a downloadable game for the Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3. You know, I I think you you don't you may not know this, but I think you just made a promise that we're going to have to do a commentary track for the Double Dragon movie. Uh, we could for sequel commentary. That's that's possible. It's uh, Andy Dick's in it. Uh, I I had such a good. T- is this the real Andy Dick or is this a phantom Andy Dick like in Muppets from Space? It's a real Andy Dick. Oh, cool. Because like I had so much fun doing the Super Mario Brothers commentary. <laughs> I'd like to attempt to recapture. Sure. It. I, I'm sure it's not as good as no. Super Mario Brothers, but. Yeah, I'd, I'd give it a shot. Yeah, the Double Dragon movie um, has very little to do with the game and is kind of... Gee, and I don't know. It comes off like Mad Max for kids on the cheap. It's very... The, the tone's very <laughs> strange. Uh, in that way, it is like the Mario Brothers movie and that the tone isn't quite what the audience would expect it would be. Um, okay, so... Well, thanks for listening to this episode of the Sequel Cast on Chasey and Amy. You know, of course, check out our website at SequelCast.com and check out the Facebook page at Facebook.com slash SequelCast. If you go to SequelCast.com, you can see our links to... We started a new uh, Tumblr page and a new Pinterest page. So if you like those things, you can check those out too. Um, you can follow me, Matt, uh, at SequelCast on Twitter. And you can follow Thrasher at Internet Mayor. That on is Twitter. So uh, next week on the sequel cast, we'll be talking about Dogma as part of our look at the Viewisk Universe series. Oh, yeah. That's going to be an interesting discussion. I bet. Uh, so for the sequel cast, this is Matt. And this is Thrasher. Saying. Snoochie Booches? Snoochie Booches. Snoochie Booches. Okay. A Jedi craves not these things. Nope. Nope, they don't.